0: Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood feminist. feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Sure is. And today we're going to be talking about something that you probably have been inundated with up until this point because I feel like every time I open a news site or I get on a streaming platform uh, what I'm seeing is everyone kind of revisiting 9-11 because we are coming up on the 20th anniversary actually what day does this episode come out on uh this will come out
1: on the the 13th. 13th
0: so yeah so we are two days post at the time that this uh episode comes out yes and we kind of wanted to revisit it in our own way as well and it's kind of a tough thing right because like we're a feminism podcast so it's like how do we look at this but i think that we kind of came to the conclusion of like, let's look at the events of 9-11. Let's talk about it, um, kind of have this open discussion about it, but also talk about the quote-unquote war on terror, kind of what got us there, what led us there. uh, What
1: that even means. What that means. Yeah.
0: Because I do feel like a lot of the things that we are seeing now, the reverberations from this event that we are seeing now it is a feminist issue. It's a, totally. it's a human rights issue. It's yeah. um, all of these things. And it's kind of important with 20 years of perspective. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's also something that we have mentioned so many times on this show, The how everything changed in our lives after September 11th, 2001. And I think having mentioned it so many times on this show, I felt like, especially with it being 20 years out, talking about all of those things and talking about how it changed our lives and how it changed the lives of Americans which I think also is very much a feminist issue and that
0: there were a lot of negative things that happened. Well, and afterwards. it was like it was like dominoes, right? Yeah. It was like there's a lot of things that happened that spiraled off from this one event. Exactly. Right, and so like in that way it's kind of important to take a look at what that means and I feel like people might think like it's hyperbolic to say that there is a before September 11th and an after September 11th if you don't remember what that was like or if you haven't like taken a close look at it in a while or if you're not from the United States, that might seem very like a very extreme thing to say. Right. But I think for those of us who remember it very clearly and remember having lived through it, it is that like oh my I, god. I we were just talking I was just gonna say
1: we were nine and eleven years old yes. I think that's yes. so weird nine yeah. eleven, we yeah. 11. or Oh my weird. god that's
0: creepy but we were talking so I started watching I only got to watch a couple of episodes I really wish I'd been able to watch the entire documentary series turning point nine eleven and the war on terror which is yes. on Netflix so I was well watching done. the documentary on Hulu which yes.
1: like literally takes you through every second of the nine eleven attacks I watched the first episode of it yesterday it was like I texted you because I was like this is surprisingly
0: triggering Anthony walked in because I was watching it in the kitchen yeah you know because I was still I had my big screen up from work and so I was like I'm gonna just stay in here and you know fill in some of my notes and I was actually crying and I really didn't expect to have that kind of emotional response but there was something about seeing because they actually show the footage which I hadn't seen I don't think since I was 11 where they actually showed the footage of the first plane hitting the first tower. Yeah. And it is so shocking. It is
1: so shocking and to me the second the footage of the second plane was what kind of like tipped me into my panic mode because I remember hearing about the first plane and I remember I saw this footage right. in another documentary when I was like liter- I was probably 11. I was probably in like 6th grade when there yeah. was a documentary that came out and they showed it in religion class for some reason in well, middle school. Yeah. And I remember seeing that the first time and you know, you're getting the footage of the firemen who are looking at like these manhole covers because that was kind of the job they were on that morning. There were these exploding manhole covers And then all of a sudden you start hearing the plane and it's really, really close. And the firefighters are like looking up and looking around, like what's going on? And then like the camera pans up and you see the plane coming in. I saw that same footage. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, 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 it's it's like the footage of that, you know, Mm -hmm. but there's something and with the, the noise and the music and the anticipation, you're watching them look at these manhole covers and you know what's going to happen and you see it. And it's just like, oh my, like nobody in there had a, fucking
0: chance. no I mean and then they talk about like the people in the second tower didn't even evacuate right away because like, a they lot were, of like, people didn't even know like it was they didn't know what was a plane it happened so right. within minutes right. It happened and so I didn't expect those feelings to rush back and I feel like this is kind of a touchy subject because the war on terror was so rightfully criticized Mm -hmm. by a lot of progressives right like and there have been so many like human rights violations um that have gone that have spun off of this that I feel like sometimes at least I'll speak for myself I can almost feel like weirdly guilty for feeling like the like heartbroken about that situation but the truth of it is like 3,000 people died like 3,000 people died in this like absolutely horrific, shocking event. I mean, it is all of our child reshaped all of our childhood. That's
1: and that's the thing that we that we shouldn't feel badly about because I think that, you know, we talk about this like hierarchy of pain a lot where it's like I shouldn't feel bad because someone else who's gone through it much worse than me is gonna feel worse about it or the other people who have experienced X, Y, Z because of the war on terror deserve to feel bad more than we do. But at the same time, we were literal children who saw something so unusual and so scary to see
0: planes.
1: I mean, I remember coming home and it was on a constant repeat on the
0: news. We, yes, I think I've talked about this on this show before. I'm certain I have, but I was home from school that day. Yep. And so we were out in a park looking for my mom's keys because we'd had a thing the night before and she'd lost her keys. Oh, And we got back in the car to drive back to the house, turned on the radio, and this is what they were talking about. So we sped back home in time to watch the plane hit the second tower. Mm. And I think it was, I think honestly, because I didn't really understand fully what was going on. Right. I, I think it was watching the adults in my life. Yes. Freak out. Yes. That like made me scared. And yeah. I think that there is this like it I, I you know what it is? I think it feels like privilege, right? It feels like privilege to be like, oh my God, whenever you know right. that like other countries are bombed all the time. All the time. The time. You know, yeah, and like live this with this was constant something. Threat.
1: But when you're living in a world where this doesn't happen it's like a Norman Rockwell America and this doesn't right. happen and America's the big winners and blah 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 blah. Like it really did shatter everything that I believed, and also, it was the first time in my life that I got political, and I was nine years old, and my dad is very staunchly anti-war, as is my mom. It was discussed a lot in the house. The possibility of war was discussed a lot in the house, and I had a very specific idea in my head of what that looked like, and I was raised in such a way that made me hate it so much that it made me want to
0: understand what why are we going to war what is going on why am I afraid see I think my family was in that like 90 percent of Americans definitely my family was in that 90 percent of Americans who in the days following 9-11 which that's how long it took days I'm pretty um, sure it was like September 13th that we declared war well we hadn't declared war but we had like on September 15th I think is whenever the like uh that whatever was drafted was approved legally. So we'll definitely talk about that. But yeah, I mean, like every, like the reason why I think it's important to set up our reactions, our emotional reactions to watching this footage again as adults and having those kind of like visceral, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm back in that moment reactions.
1: Which I was not expecting. Which I wasn't (laughs) expecting
0: either is because it it does take you back to that like fear and that like, anger and that like grief yeah. that we felt at the time which is what got us into the war on terror like exactly. that is what that's really what like propelled us it was to, revenge to get we on, wanted revenge we like, wanted
1: revenge and that's what got everybody on board with this war in the first place which yeah. morphed into this crazy crazy thing mm-hmm. i wanted to state something really quick cuz as i was doing notes and realizing all of the dates mm-hmm. i went to disney world on october 9th 2001 <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. So that was my like golden birthday present for turning nine on July 9th. I got to, you know, in October in the fall, my family and I went I'm to Disney I'm surprised that
0: commercial planes were like back up and like doing their thing. But yeah, then. I remember. So my family
1: and I always would take like the first flight of the morning. So we'd be getting up at like 3am to call a taxi and get downstairs and be ready to go. Yeah, miss all and the I traffic. remember Smart. sitting in the kitchen being like, I don't want to go. I don't want, I don't want to do like, I was so scared to go to the airport and my parents having to sit me down and be like, look, they've got all these new things in place. We're going to be okay. And I was like, I'm going to Disney world. Like that's a big place too. Like, am I going to be vulnerable because I'm in this like big space and being so scared to fly less than a month after this happened. Uh, Why we
0: did this, I will
1: never understand. Yeah, because
0: again, we were living in this very safe feeling kind of bubble and then and, all of a sudden it was just popped and three planes full of people no survivors like that it, it, it's terrifying it like truly terrifying. you know yeah so all right let's get started let's, on the let's actual get events of yeah the thing. <laughs> now that we have our thoughts and feelings kind of out on the table i do want to say at the top of this episode write in and let us know like let us know where you were when you heard the news what were oh i want to know like what were you feeling because Again, I, I know that it's now with so much hindsight, it's a complicated inner feeling about about this whole thing. But w- those feelings that you had, or, or maybe do still have, are totally valid. Um, and I want to hear about it. So, and then they also helped play into our feelings. I think as the war went on
1: for twenty years, like right. I, I think I that mean, how we felt on that day is no matter what you were feeling, and was regardless important.
0: politically of where things ended up. 3,000 people who had families and lives yep. who didn't know when they woke up that morning that they weren't going to be coming home yeah, died. yeah, And like, we can grieve that. Yeah. Like, we're These were to not
1: people that. living dangerous lives, working dangerous jobs. These were people going to, going to work like we would go to work. An
0: office building. You I know? work in an office. You know, like, you know, it's just... It's terrifying. It is. It's scary. Uh, okay, So let's, in order to kind of understand the war on terror, we need to like take it back. So get in your way back machine. We're gonna take it back. uh, We wind, wind,
1: wind. Yes. Oh yes. Mm -hmm.
0: So this whole thing kind of began uh, when Soviet troops invaded and occupied Afghanistan in 1979. Yes. So because we were in a Cold War with the Soviet Union at the time and they had like so fragrantly kind of like gone outside of their borders the U.S. was like no 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 we cannot have this. Yeah. We can't have them just invading other regions (laughs) you know it's not safe bringing communism to other regions or whatever. Right. So Ronald Reagan sent the U.S. in to make sure that the Afghan people won against the soviets so he basically created a new wing of the cia they hired some military people and they were like we will give you a billion dollars or more if you need more make sure the afghans win this war like that's basically they were like make sure that they make sure the soviets do not win there right so by 1985, 1 million Afghans had been killed in this battle between essentially between the US and Soviets. Like right. it, it was it, it had nothing to do with them, but it was being fought on their right. turf. Right. And yeah. as but as far as the Afghan people were concerned, it did have to deal with them do with them because it was like their homeland, right? And so they're right. like the well, fight we're didn't fight. have to do with
1: them, but yeah. they were being brought into it because their people were being killed and it was happening on their land.
0: Right. So one million Afghans had been killed uh, in essentially a six-year period. Oh, and then one in 1.5 million were wounded. And then millions of others had fled or had been driven out to areas like Iran and Pakistan. Okay. So to help the Afghan people fight the Soviets, the United States was giving billions of dollars to the Mujahideen. And they were Afghans who rose up on the basis of Islam. So they were like basically resistance fighters, but they were a religious-based resistance fighter kind of like organization. Okay. Um, and they rose up to like free their country from Soviet occupation. And they were a militia group. Yeah. They considered themselves jihadis, which, which means a struggle to fight against the enemies of Islam. So you can kind of see where this is going. The yeah. United States is funding jihadists at this point because right. we're trying to fight the soviets yes so there were several muhashadeen groups at this time and one of the leaders was a man named hek machar and he was an extremist who was said to have started the practice of throwing acid in women's faces if he deemed them to be immodest because oh my gosh prior to this prior to the soviet occupation Afghanistan was pretty modern, like people dressed in modern clothing. Yes, know, in the 1970s. there are fo- there are
1: photos that I've seen very recently on like different history Instagram post things that I mm-hmm. follow, where they were showing the differences between you know women in miniskirts in the seventies right. in Afghanistan versus the women's faces being painted over on the advertisements right. today.
0: And this is kind of the first inkling you're seeing of that, right? Of like this group is going in and taking yes, control, and yes, they're fighting the soviets to try and get their land back but they're but also taking control over the country they're religious fundamentalists so it's not just the soviets they're fighting they're also they're like we need to adhere to these very strict fundamentalist islamic beliefs right right so america was giving these leaders sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars a month wow to arm themselves and we bought them crates of ak-47s mm-hmm. rocket launchers grenades by 1988, young men were coming from all over uh, different countries, especially in the region alongside, and they started joining these groups, and right. they called themselves Al-Qaeda. Mm-hmm. So their leader was a man named Osama bin Laden. You who, may have heard of him. You may have heard of him. Heard about this guy? <laughs> who, despite having grown up in a, a modern, well-off family, like, yeah. like we just said, you know, it. There people were dressing in modern clothing. It's totally. not how you you think of. Well, and
1: honestly, that was something during this research that was very surprising to me. Learning more about Osama bin Laden, yeah, his family because was,
0: he was wearing kicking it in jeans and a polo. You know what I mean? For real, like yeah. that
1: was is the image of his life before we knew who Osama bin Laden was is very different than like the image you have in your head of what he looks like in his terrifying videos that he would yes. put out. You
0: know? Yeah, but he was radicalized by fundamentalism. Yeah, um, and so he felt the need to join the jihad in 1989 the u.s was supplying the muha muhajin with stinger missiles which were designed to take down planes from the ground Mm. so you could stand on the ground with one of these giant missiles and you could take down soviet planes right i want to make it very clear right now that the problem here is not the afghan people trying to resist the occupying force, right? Right. Like they have every right to try and protect themselves as is war. Like that's the name of the game, right? I mean, like these people are coming in to your homeland. Like you do have the right to protect yourself. I'm not at all saying that you don't have the right to resist. You should be resisting. Of course. The issue became that we were funding and uh, supplying military grade weapons and training to a religious fundamentalist group. Exactly. The the issue was that it was like... It's
1: not that we are helping... The issue wasn't that we were helping them protect themselves. The issue was who we were employing to help protect Afghanistan. And at the end of the day, we weren't trying to protect them. It had nothing to do with them. And I'm sure it wasn't even a, a big issue for the United States as to whether or not who was fighting against the Soviet Union. We didn't even think about it. We didn't care. All we cared about was the fact that we couldn't have the Soviet regime take over the world. That is what the U.S. cared about.
0: So I just, I want to make that clear before we move forward, is like, especially since I know we're going to talk about the Islamophobia that happened post the 9-11 attacks. This is not an attack on Muslim people. This is not an attack on Afghan people. This is not an attack you know, on Islam, this is an attack on, on a fundamentalist group. I mean, it's, it's the same thing yeah. as, you know,
1: looking at your everyday Christian groups
0: compared to the Westboro Baptist church. Exactly. Right? It's or different. looking
1: at like, uh, what's his fud fucking, uh, the polygamist guy. What's his name? Why Warren Jeff. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, all of these like very extreme high control groups. That's a very very right. very different thing yeah. than what the actual religion is right and so
0: i want to make that very clear before we move forward because a, a big part of the issues that we saw with a lot of the xenophobia islamophobia racism in our country post 9-11 had to do with people not being able to make that distinction
1: 100 percent. Right? so like well because yeah. the, i feel like this stuff wasn't talked about no you at, know what i mean like this wasn't something that I think a lot of, I mean, and I was too young to know, but I feel like it wasn't
0: something that people educated themselves on. I'm like, and no, who is no. the group that we're giving this money to? It was all Muslims were going to try and enact Sharia law in the United States. Like yep. that was that was the rhetoric. Yeah, everywhere, you know. Ugh, so we'll talk more on yes. that. But okay. So once the Stinger missiles came in, it was basically all over for the Soviets. Uh, And by the fall, they had surrendered. And America was basically like, okay, great job, everybody. You did good. They're like, we won deuces. And they just left, right? Which essentially handed over control of Afghanistan to to the newly formed, highly trained, well-armed militant groups. And they were now calling themselves the Taliban. Yeah. So- we did this. I want to go ahead and say that right now. Um, a lot of the issues like going into like <laughs> save them or whatever. Like yeah. we were saving them from tyranny. We caused the tyranny. Like yeah. we, we, we gave the money and the about? weapons to the wrong fucking people. This was our fault. <laughs> right. So in the 90s, Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait, which is very close to Saudi Arabia, which, of course, holds a lot of the world's oil production. So in order to protect our oil interests, the U.S. immediately sent troops to Saudi Arabia. Now around this time Osama bin Laden had been trying to convince his followers that the United States was a threat to their way of life and this was hard because the U.S. had armed them they had helped them defeat the Soviets right this was a big win but I think that and this is probably
1: what you're about to say but Osama bin Laden being a fundamentalist leader right it sees Western culture as being immoral and Mm -hmm. wrong and so I feel like it was more on a moral playing ground of why we need to, you know, get rid of Western culture, yes. rather than looking at it like they were the ones that gave us the money. They're like, no, maybe they helped us out, but the way they're
0: living their lives is right. wrong from a evil. religious standpoint. Yes. It doesn't matter that they helped us out. And exactly. like, there are these two giant Western powers, right? The Soviets, we got rid of them. Yeah, but there's the U.S. But a lot of the members were arguing, the Al-Qaeda members, they were like, well, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but they're not a direct threat to us. They, they're they not here anymore. They left. Right. And they left us with all of these weapons and they, they taught us how to armor, you know, like. So they were saying to Osama bin Laden, like, you know, I think the U.S. is fine. Yeah. Until we decided to go to Saudi Arabia. Right. Like, once we entered Saudi Arabia, Osama bin Laden could make the argument that, like... Look, they're actually mm-hmm.
1: against us. Right. And, they, and look, everything I told you is true. They right. are people to
0: be feared. And you know, the biggest natural resource for the Middle East is their oil. Uh, and for like, you know, the the Muslim world is, there, is the oil production right. in that region. And so he's arguing that like they're coming here to try and take our resources uh, and take our oil and try and force us into their like Western Christian way of life.
1: Which honestly is not that far off with the colonizing we've done in our history I can I would be skeptical see, as well. Yeah, I can totally see, and they already came in and gave us all this stuff was to say they're not going to come in again and enforce their way of life on right, us. Which exactly, I you know, obviously he's taking it to a place that isn't logical, but if you are looking at it in just like the
0: logical sense, I can understand wanting to keep your way of life. Right, because it's based in religion. All of this is a problem because it's based in religious extremism. Like that's why it's an issue. Exactly. The the concept that, the Western world or like the United States or Britain or whoever, that they will come in and take your resources and colonize your land. They will. There's precedent for that. Yeah. Like, yeah, they will do that. Yeah. Uh, so that, that is a genuine fear to have. Right. But that I think adding
1: all of the, uh, all of the other fears that he was kind of, Explaining to his followers and things like that probably became much more real when they were seeing what
0: was happening in Saudi Arabia. Right. Okay, well, maybe you're right. Right. And, you know, I also do think that, like, Osama bin Laden wanted, he, he, the US was an enemy because of the way we live here. Yes. Like, capitalism and everything else, like the way that we live here. And so, Honestly, we gave we handed it to him on a silver platter when we were like, OK, well, we're going to go occupy Saudi Arabia, Arabia to protect our oil interests. You know and what I mean? we already
1: just gave you all these weapons and money for you to be
0: able to fight back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because of this, he was able to convince his followers that it was time to declare jihad on the United States. In 1993, a bomb went off at the World Trade Center. And while Al-Qaeda was not directly involved, it was carried out by members of another jihadist group who had sought to topple both towers. Like, that was their plan. Um, and whenever, like, they were taking the guy who was responsible away, yeah, they drove him past the World Trade Center towers. And they were like, look, they're still standing. And he said, if I had enough money, they wouldn't be. Right. Mm. So luckily, though, they were unsuccessful and only, I, I hate to say only, but only six people were killed in that blast. Right. Uh, later that year, another plot was uncovered to bring the towers down, but it was thwarted at the last minute. So we have two plots by jihadist groups wanting to take down mm. the towers up till this point, right? And what, I mean, so the World Trade Center's towers, they were the
1: tallest buildings mm-hmm. in the country. So. Yes. Is that the main reason why they
0: were so intent on the World Trade Center? I think because it represented trade and like commerce that it represented capitalism that makes sense that makes sense and uh, because to me i was always like is just because it's like the biggest i think that's probably part of it too it's like it's symbolic to take down the tallest buildings in new york city well and and
1: and the world trade center towers also made up such a huge part of the skyline and everything as well i mean you can't watch a friends episode without their little it is the most like depressing things they show the little in-between shots of the city of new york and you see the. Twin Towers, you know, one of them's got that kind of like spoke that comes Uh out the top. Yeah. And it's such an iconic American kind of like image. Yeah. You know, so I can understand. But at the
0: same time, I was always kind of like, well, then why? But why there? And I do kind of understand. Yeah, I feel like it was symbolic. Like, I feel like it was this representation this representation of trade in the United States and represented everything about like Western life. Maybe that that makes sense. You know, I don't know for sure, but that would be because like the white house and the Pentagon, like that
1: all makes a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. The world trade centers throughout my life has always been kind of like, well, why, why there? Mm -hmm. And especially now hearing, you know, knowing that there were multiple attempts and tries on this exact building. One why weren't pe- why
0: wasn't security like majorly ramped the ramped fuck? Up. The fuck up? I mean, I guess nobody. I think nobody really thought that someone's gonna drive a plane into one. You know I what mean, I mean? Like, I guess
1: maybe because there were failed attempts and we thwarted it, we thought that maybe they it wasn't bombs, gonna be an issue, right?
0: Like those were bombs, which is bad. Yes, but it's not the same. I don't know that we had any comprehension that someone would fly a, a commercial plane full yeah. of people. Full into, of civilians yeah. into the tower. Like, I don't I don't think, I just don't Ugh, think
1: we... We got to get to that day. Let's keep okay, talking. We okay. got to
2: get to it. Oh, my God. Are you ready to shop?
0: Rakuten's Big Give Week
2: is back.
0: So in nineteen by nineteen ninety six, Bin Laden was openly declaring war on the United States. He this is when he's doing these interviews. Yeah, right? he's in all these newspapers. And like I said, he came from a pretty well to do family, so he had financial backing, and he'd been backing these like extremist groups, right? right? Um, and that's when he had been, I think, in the Sudan, and the Sudan had a relationship with the United States, and they're like, "What do you want us to do with him?" Right? And they were like, "Well, we can't take him because we don't have enough to like." arrest him on, and so they were like, send him back to Afghanistan, which was the worst thing that we could have decided to do because it's like, send him back to a place where he has a following where we have trained them and given them a bunch of weapons. So right. we were like, cool, cool. So around this time is when he returned to Afghanistan, and by then, of course, Taliban groups had a hold on this country. Like, it in in those years, They between, were in, in total control. Uh, yeah, in total control. Like, you know, they were... <laughs> there was a civil war, essentially. And the way it's described in this documentary that I watched, like, it was peace, but it was this draconian, like medieval peace where it was just like, yeah, people weren't killing each other, but they weren't killing each other because the Taliban would kill you and your whole family, you know, right, like, because you had to stay in line. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It was this religious dictatorship at this point. Right. So after several attacks on U.S. embassies in the late 90s, he fixed his eyes on a new target. And that target was the World Trade Center Towers. Right. So let's talk about 9-11, shall we? Let's do it. So there were four crashes on September
1: 11th, 2001, And, oh God, I mean, I I don't have a ton of details with all of this because we are talking about the war on terror in general. So I have a bit of a timeline that I got from history.com that will kind of get us started. In the early morning hours of September 11th, 2001, 19 hijackers led by Al Qaeda took control of four commercial airlines. At 8.45 a.m., five of those hijackers crashed Flight 11 into the northern facing side of the north tower of the world trade center and it was only let's see 15 18 minutes later that another five hijackers crashed flight 175 into the southern facing side of the south
0: tower so it all happened really really fast yeah and like i said like people didn't know what happened. They didn't know it was a plane. And even though the towers appeared to be very close, they interviewed people who were on the south side of the south tower. Yeah. And the plane hit the north side of the north tower. Right. And they were like, I heard a boom, but it wasn't even like this this catastrophic boom. I I was like, okay, maybe it's a bomb again because yeah. there have been bomb attempts. But I, I didn't think we were in danger. Yeah. Like they were like, I didn't think we even needed to evacuate. Well, that's what I was going
1: to say. A lot of people didn't even evacuate. There were people that were in that when they were hurt in the South Tower didn't even know about the North. You know what I mean? Like uh, these buildings are so huge right they're huge yeah. that a plane can go
0: through one of them and the building right next door is not aware of what happened right which is they, crazy. they heard something but they didn't think right. like oh this is urgent like we need to get out of this building right now yeah you know? I
1: mean the people in the north tower for the most part were very aware and yes. we're starting to evacuate yeah. but it is weird to think about the fact that there was still like some <laughs> semblance of peace literally right next door right
0: and I do want to say also because of where the plane hit it took out all of the stairwells. Yeah. So if you were above where the plane hit. So if you were above like I think they said like the 90th floor.
1: I think it was the 70 something floor on the north side.
0: If Whichever, I I'm not sure. From the
1: documentary it was like the
0: 77th, 78th or something like yeah. that. Yeah, if you were above that floor, you, there there was no way to get out. Yeah. I mean, there was no way to get out. There yeah. you couldn't take a stairwell nobody could get to you and oh my
1: god and firefighters were losing their minds because they're like we got to take an elevator because taking the stairs is going to take too long and there were no elevators that were working so these men and their whole gear are having to f- you know climb hundreds of flights of stairs right i mean to try to save who they and can people were
0: getting hurt on the elevators because in the north tower there was like a fuel something that like, like burst. And so people were coming out of the elevator with like burns, like, like third degree burns. Like, yeah. So I will give a trigger warning. If you're going to watch turning point on Netflix, they show that stuff, like the burning, like they show it.
1: It's a lot. There was a man who was interviewed in the Hulu documentary that I was watching who was like a cook in the North Tower. And yeah. he was talking about how he was on like the second floor. He's like, it's going to be faster if I just take the elevator than take the stairs. And I guess this guy who was with him is like, no, you're not supposed to take the elevator in this kind of instance. I'm going to take the stairs. And he was like, if this door opens, I'm taking the elevator. He said, right. I took the elevator and I
0: never saw that other guy again. Right. I mean, but it was a toss up because there yeah. were also people who died on the elevator. Exactly. So it was kind of just like you had to take your chance. Yeah. Right. Like and I get I mean, people it became very irrational because I mean, people, people were, were jumping. jumping. Right? Yeah.
1: There's no I mean, we were talking about this in with Kabul, with the airplane, the the Afghan people, right. you know, attaching themselves to the airplane, knowing there's no way yeah, they're gonna be able to hold on for an to entire plane, flight. Right. Yeah, and it was the same kind of thing for these very desperate people that were just like, I cannot get out. And honestly, like, I feel like with my flight fight or flight senses, I would end up doing the same thing. I'm like, I was gonna run and jump. I
0: agree. I, probably and I don't mean that in a callous way. But it's like it's that fear that takes over you. It's like, what are you supposed to do? Well, in and, that moment, and again, not trying to be like too graphic or too callous, but also when you're faced with the possibility of burning to death or choosing maybe maybe something will happen or maybe i'll die before i hit the ground yep you know like i probably would do the same thing
1: honestly and this is very morbid but there is something to me that i would feel like choosing my method of death and saying agency it's your agency exactly then saying i'm gonna sit here and wait to see what happens Instead of being like, no, I am in a dangerous position. And even yeah. if I may die doing this, I'm going to fucking try. And I, yeah. I, I mean, man, the, humans yeah. are crazy. Humans are crazy yeah. the way that we can accomplish good and bad things. At 9.37 a.m., five hijackers flew Flight 77 into the Pentagon. And then at 10.03, the very infamous Flight 93 crashed into a Pennsylvania field after the passengers fought back against the hijackers. And the target was believed to be the Capitol or the White House. I mean, Flight 93 is such an incredible story. I was listening to the... Uh, the phone conversations in the Hulu documentary that I was watching, and it really is—I couldn't believe the calm. That is what I. She think was too. she was calling yes. like she was a secretary at a dentist's office, checking on your appointment. Like it was so calm. It, she was so. There's it, it, people in the insane. cockpit. They're doing
0: this, and she I was. I think we've been hijacked. It's the it's the most wild thing. But she's saying it even more
1: chill than you yes. just said it. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's it's
1: it's unbelievable to me that she was able to keep that level of calm but they were able to get these 911 calls out and speak to somebody before you know all communication was cut out and essentially you know the Taliban al-Qaeda came in with um mace and pepper spray and weapons and overtook this plane and went into the cockpit and these passengers were like were, I mean, let's take a vote. They took a vote. They're like, we're probably going to die anyways. Do we do our best to fight against these guys and try to take control back over this plane or we do we just allow this to happen? And over the phone, you can hear them saying somebody's like, push it, push it. And they're talking, I mean, I would assume maybe like a beverage cart or something. They're trying to break this door down to get into the cockpit. And they scared these guys enough and freaked them out enough that they ended up flying into an open field rather than continuing to go to their full destination. Yeah, which they is, landed in Pennsylvania. It is it is the most heroic act, even though, I mean, I'm pretty sure all of them died as they well, did. correct? Every,
0: every person on all of the flights but died. they
1: yeah. fought like hell. They were like, if we're going to go down either way, we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that we at least prevent. And they because they had also heard about the World Trade Center, Which is probably why they felt that way. right? They were because like, we need like, to protect everybody on the ground now. Yeah,
0: because for sure, it doesn't make the people on the other flights any less courageous. They just had less information. They, you know exactly. what I mean? Like these people had so much this information. This was the last flight
1: they were able to hear from people on the ground, what was going on and what happened, so they were able to make a decision that, look, we're gonna die either way. We're gonna at least
0: try to save lives of people yeah. who are I in mean, the this, building. It makes me emotional because I just had this flashback thinking of those like recordings of like in the days and weeks after nine eleven they on the news because it was like the beginning of the 24 hour news cycle. So yeah. our TV didn't go off. We all slept in the living room. The TV stayed on. I mean,
1: that's why I'm saying I literally saw the plane crashes. Yeah. A hundred times in
0: the first 24 hours and it never stopped. They played the first like couple of nights. They played all of the like, I'm going to cry. Okay. They played all of the voicemails. That people left their loved ones on the plane. Like when they knew that like...
1: They were going down. We're going
0: down. Like, I love you. You know, like all of those messages. And I do... I know that this is kind of like off topic, but it is such a beautiful reminder of like... In the midst of this like horrific thing, this like ugly, ugly thing, like every call that was made was a call of love. love. Like there wasn't any like hatred Hatred or 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 malice or it was all like and I do think that that's such a beautiful reminder of like what human beings are at our core (laughs) you know like what we are like I know I'm taking it into like a really sappy direction
1: no but but I think that that's a really good point and it's also important to mention because again these are the things that we were inundated with nonstop for months after this happened we were hearing every little bit of information that we could because all of it Was broadcast. All of it was broadcast. And it was so devastating to hear. And I remember hearing the story of Flight 93 and the heroism of the people on the flight. I mean, George W. Bush made a whole speech, you know, thanking everybody for everything that they did. Yeah. It was a huge, huge moment. In the end, 2,977 people died that day, making it the deadliest attack on US soil in history. And that's why. We have that response right? because it was the deadliest attack that has ever occurred where we live. And although we know it happens in other places all the time, that is not something we are used to or accustomed to. We are supposed to be the the
0: big good guys that, that are protected, especially in the 90s. Like I can't overstate the vibe that America had in the 90s. Like we were coming off of like. Knocking down the Berlin Wall, like we yeah. were, like we're the liberators. We're the like we're the winners, right? Like and that we was had our, been the winners. I and mean, that's how we If felt. you look
1: at you know World War One until nine eleven, we
0: were the victors and the good guys and the people that came in and saved yeah. the day. I mean, even Vietnam, which was incredibly unpopular, right. right? And like you can't say we quote unquote won, but there were still a lot of people who argued that you know we were doing the right thing or whatever. Like right. so. The vibe at that time was very patriotic in a way that I don't think Gen Z can understand because it's post 9-11 and everything changed. Yeah. Like in the 90s, you felt lucky to be an American, like genuinely.
1: Yeah, I bought a new old Navy shirt from for the 4th oh, yeah. of July I every single
0: a, year. I had a Stars and Stripes bandana that I wore all the time. You know, like, and again, we can that's not necessarily a good thing. Right? right. America definitely had a lot of problems prior yeah. to 9-11. Like we did a lot of shitty stuff, but we didn't but the, feel it as citizens. Right. The camaraderie right. was different than it right. is now. Yeah. Yeah. So that night uh, when Bush addressed the nation, he made it clear that we were going to respond with military action. Yeah. Uh, and that we were going to go to war. I mean, I don't think that there was a a doubt in anybody's mind, and again, we no, were all coming of and that's off what everybody this, wanted. Yeah, I feel like they we like were coming most, off of extreme emotion. Yeah, most yeah. of the country
1: was like, "Fuck yeah!" And I mean, even the words he used, like "we're going to take them down," oh, yeah. all this stuff was like, I mean, was criticized very heavily later because, like, what military? But it commander wasn't just him. Gonna, it wasn't yeah. just him. It
0: was like Hillary Clinton was saying the same shit. Like, yep. it was a pretty bipartisan issue. Everybody was pissed. And wanted to go to
1: war, except for Frank Haggerty. <laughs> Frank, because in my house, it was like I my idea of war, and I think I've said this on the podcast before, I loved Molly, my American girl doll, and I loved her books. Mm-hmm. And I remember like her talking about like having sugar rations and all this stuff, and I just remember being like
0: I don't want my candy to go away. Like, that was like wow. a legitimate thought in my nine year old mind. <laughs> That's so funny because it's the most privileged, like, American thought we could have about war. We're like, I know. I don't want my gummy bears to be rationed. Like, you know? don't ration my sugar. I
1: mean, if you know me, you know I have the biggest sweet tooth in the world. Like, I have a second stomach for sweets. Like, uh, it, it's on another level. So, it makes sense for little nine year old Maddie. But there was, but that was my idea of what it was going to be. Like, we suddenly were going to be in in this like World War II era hardship, we're going it's, to it's war funny. kind of thing, which in a way we did. It just wasn't in the way that I was picturing it
0: It's the it's morning funny after. Because <laughs> it's so counter to my family who were so in that like USA number one, we're number one mindset. Yeah, And I think a lot of the nation was in that mindset, like we said, coming out of the 90s, that we were like, We're going to go to war. Yeah. And we're going to wash them. Like, they don't know what they, they don't know who they messed with. Yeah. And like, there's video of people basically saying that. They're like, 100%. they don't know who they messed with. Like, America We're coming for you. is coming. Yeah. Right? And like, the full force but, of our military is coming. Like, but my
1: dad was a product of, you know, he was a young adult male in the Vietnam era. He luckily wasn't drafted because of his hearing, but he lost so many friends. So to him, in his mind, it's, it's like, It's a
0: better mindset to have. I'm not right. arguing that it's Totally. <laughs>
1: but like, in his mind, it was like, Like nothing positive is going to come out of this. And that was what I was inundated with. So the fact that people were so Mm gung-ho about this war, I was not. I was absolutely terrified about what that would mean for me Mm -hmm. and what that would mean for my family and my friends and my country where everybody else around me at school the next day was like, even the kids. I'm in fourth grade. Oh yeah, And these kids are like gung-ho, ready to like, they're hearing their parents say that, you exactly. know what I mean? Exactly, but to me, I was so like, oh my God, what world am I in now? Why do none of you agree with me? I didn't understand
0: why all these people were so like, yay, we're going to go to war. And I was like, no, this is really, people are going to fucking die. I mean, it's an interesting thing, to talking to you about it, because... I mean, of course we knew that going to war meant people were going to die. But I think... I was so inundated in that post 9-11 unity that happened. Because I have never seen anything like that before or since. Yeah. The way that the country came together was, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, we
1: thought we were patriotic before 9-11. Those, that year afterwards was even more so,
0: I feel like. It was, it was, Wild. It was like we all set our differences aside for like at least a second. Yeah. Well, not entirely because of the Islamophobia. Yes. But, um, you know, it was, it was just a, it was a very strange time. Well, and Bush's popularity rose as well. Oh, because yeah. of Wartime presidents, their
1: popularity always rises. And that is wild to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this, uh, my point of view was not the popular point of right. view essentially is what I was getting at.
0: <laughs> So it wasn't long before we figured out kind of like there had been lots of threats by bin Laden up until this point. There had been lots of attacks, actually, like U.S. embassies had been attacked. There had been like a a Navy boat off of. Oh, yeah. You know, that had been attacked. I
1: mean, the list on
0: Wikipedia is very, very long. Right. So (laughs) we knew kind of like, okay. Who are our enemies who might be behind this? Who has tried to attack the World Trade Center before? Right. And it wasn't long before we figured out that most likely Al-Qaeda were behind these attacks. Um, And so right from the start, America was, like, just what we said, America was ready to exercise our full military might to take down whoever did this.
1: Yeah. Oh, and I did want to mention really, really quick one thing with kind of going off what we were talking about is that, you know, Osama bin Laden came out with all of these, I guess, like, reasons why he was attacking against America Mm -hmm. and George W. kind of simplified it all to like, they hate us for our freedoms. And that was such a- And we clung
0: to that? Oh, we clung
1: to that. That's what I thought it was Mm -hmm. for most of my life was this
0: almost like- Jealousy, kind mm-hmm. of thing. They hate. They we want had a very mean girl mentality about us. Like they like, they hate us because they ain't us kind exactly. of situation. You know, like, like they
1: can't have what we have, so they're going to try to take down what we have. And th- to me, that's very much what he was conveying. Well, it was very
0: strategic for them to say it that way. Uh-huh. Like they wanted they they wanted the American people, and for reasons that we will get into. I I promise we're gonna get into it. Um there were reasons that they wanted to make sure that we stayed as angry as possible. And as unified, like all of that unity that I spoke of, while a beautiful thing in many ways, I feel like was very strategic on the government's part. It was creating a mob mentality. Right, they were like, we need to stay together, united as Americans, uh, and we need to stay really, really mad at all of those people over there. Don't think about where they're from because we're going to talk about the invasion of Iraq, right? Yeah. So they're like, don't think about any of that and whether or not they actually had anything to do with 9-11 because they're all other, right? And, all they're, of those people, and they're
1: all together. Right. Like there was the idea that like one was all. One, one terrorist attack could be tied to all these different groups, all these different things. It wasn't a war with oh, Afghanistan. Yes. It was
0: a war on, on terror. terror, which is, you know, why we wanted to talk about this because you can argue whatever you want. About us going into Afghanistan to try and pull Bin Laden out, but the war on terror, quote unquote, was far-reaching. Yes, and went far beyond that. Oh yes. So so well,
1: Bush's objectives were nothing that were that was tangible. It was like we are going to take down every terrorist organization in the world when they come to be. Like right. When, we are going to eliminate terror,
0: them. which right. is it's not possible like it's not even feasible but it became known fairly quickly that the taliban had provided a safe haven for bin laden who had not only planned but also bankrolled this attack and so everybody i'm talking fucking rich kid (laughs) seriously i'm talking not only bush but also clinton meaning bill clinton biden hillary clinton everybody, they were basically like, no, we need to not only get bin Laden, but we need to get everybody who aided and abetted him. Yeah. Right? So on September 13th, for the first time ever, NATO invoked Article 5 of the North Atlantic Treaty, which commits each member state to consider an armed attack against one member state to be an armed attack against them all. So this was the first time this happened where NATO was like, listen, you come for one of us, you come for all of us. So they came for the United States. And so NATO was like, "Okay, we're going to back you in like whatever you do next. And so the issue was that we had never declared war against a terrorist group before. Like this was not a country like we said This was an idea. Yeah. So how do you even do that? Right. And so Bush had his people draft up the authorization for use of military force against terrorists or AUMF. And... It was basically saying that it would authorize the president to use all necessary and appropriate force against those nations, organizations, or persons he determines planned, authorized, committed, or aided the terrorist attacks that occurred on September 11th. So it was incredibly broad.
1: Well, and this was, uh, is this something where the president could decide it and didn't have to go through Congress. Right. He wanted Congress because that will continue where like there is, because I believe there was something that Obama did as well. I'm not there in my notes yet, but there was something where it was like the president doesn't have to get approval from Congress for certain things when it comes
0: to this war. Well, from what I understood, he didn't even have to get approval for this because it was such an extreme situation, but he wanted to. He wanted Congress to sign off on it. So they drafted this thing. um, But the terms of it were so broad that there were talks from politicians kind of on both sides of the aisle who were like, "Ooh." I don't know. I feel like this is an overreach. I feel like it gives him too much power because it doesn't specify where, when, or how the president is authorized to use force. Right. It simply says against any organization, associated forces, or individuals who are connected in any way. Yeah. I mean, one of
1: the objectives was to reject sponsorship, support, and sanctuary to terrorists, reduce underlying conditions that terrorists seek to exploit. I mean, like, there. these are things that are so arbitrary that it does leave a lot of, un- uh, like, opened... A lot of gray area. Yeah, and a yeah. lot of openings for the president then to To kind abuse of, it. To abuse it and to decide whatever the fuck he wants to
2: do with right. that. Right.
0: You can see very clearly how it could go off the rails, right? Yeah. And there was only one person, and she's... Just chef's kiss, lovely. Um, There's only one person who voted no on the blanket authorization of use of military force, and that was Congresswoman Barbara Lee. And I'm talking Barbara, one one person in the Senate or the House. Everybody, again, because of the high emotion, I think. Let the women do the work. That is from another podcast that I love, True
1: Crime Obsessed, where they say it all the time. Come on, let the women do the work. (laughs) So
0: she said when she gave her statement, because everyone was getting up there giving their statements about. You know, Democrat, Republican, they were all up there saying, we need to strike back. This is the only language they understand is force. So we need to go in with force. Right. Right. And she said, I am convinced that military action will not prevent further acts of terrorism against the United States. Yeah. And she also believed that the way that the AUMF was written, it could potentially put us in a situation where U.S. troops are left in harm's way forever. It's like we don't have anything written in here. Yeah about how are we getting them in how are we getting them out how are we going to end this war? how are we going to end it right. because it's just it's we should open-ended. have listened
1: to Barbara Lee because she literally saw the
0: future right <laughs> i mean and i think she did speak up recently with everything that's going I on bet, in afghanistan I hope so. to, to not say this but to say i told you so you know what yeah. i mean like this is why i was the only dissenting voice yeah. and because she was the only dissenting voice when she got back to her hotel or her office Already in the time because that was a live televised event. In the time she got back, hundreds of death threats, calling her treasonous, calling her a traitor, um, active death threats on her life for saying she didn't want to go forward with this particular agreement.
1: But she makes so much fucking sense. No, but you know there is this like eye for an eye thing where it's like showing as much force. Like they're mad at us. For the force that we've used, you know what I mean. Like this is this is aggravating the situation.
0: But we were all so emotional. We were like, uh-huh. I don't. Oh care. no, totally. I want that motherfucker to pay. Totally. Like that's all we cared about, and it uh-huh. didn't. It wasn't rational, you know. And she's giving interviews now where she's saying like, I understood where the emotion was coming from, but you should want more from your ele- your elected yep. officials. Should be the ones who who put their emotion aside to think it through. Exactly. And to have a
1: clear plan. And
0: that's what I was trying to do. Right. You know? So on the next day, September 15th, we were actively preparing for war. Yeah. So the president called everybody to Camp David. He's like, okay, what is our war strategy? We are going in here. Yeah. We fucking go. Right. Here we
1: fucking go, man. Listen, and, to you ready? Oh, that's, how I that's exactly
0: it. the vibe, right? Yeah, it's for like real. extremely masculine energy. Um, <laughs> On September 20th, Bush addressed the nation and told us that al-Qaeda was behind the terrorist attack. So that's the first time. He also
1: sent out an ultimatum on September 20th to the Taliban government, along with the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, to turn over Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda leaders operating in the country or face attack. Um, Right. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. the Taliban turned around. It was like, well, we want evidence that bin Laden was even linked to those attacks Mm -hmm. if we're going to give him to you. So there was this kind of like there was, I guess, a slight opportunity, I guess, quote unquote, that Bush was trying to implicate by saying like, hey, look, if you hand him over. We'll go easy
0: on you, right? Which that is, kind of thing. Exactly. We talked about that in our What's in the News when we were talking about the situation currently yeah. in Afghanistan, where I was saying, like, I, all of the people who want to now say, like, with all of this evidence that I've put out right now, right, mm-hmm. about how we got in this situation in the first place, I don't think you can really argue that we went into Afghanistan on behalf of the Afghan people, because I feel like, a lot of people will say that, like, we went in to save them from the Taliban. That's not why we went I in. I
1: mean, maybe it morphed into that a little bit. But in the beginning, like, that, there, That's that not was why, no... That's not why, though. No, no, no. We wanted to kill the Taliban.
0: Because if the Taliban had handed over bin Laden at that moment... Yep. I don't think we ever would have gone in. Like, you know, like... If they had handed over have- bin Laden and named names of the people yes, who aided exactly. him, exactly,
1: we probably wouldn't have had a war. But then instead, the Taliban was like, Well, but you don't really, you don't know it was bin Laden. You don't, where where, is your, where is the receipts? Yeah. And they said, If there is evidence, then that would warrant a trial, which would be handled in Islamic court. So that was their response. And Bush was like, No, no, no. Not, we're not on my gonna, watch. Yeah. We're not going to stand for that. So the first U.S. attack on Afghanistan was on October 7th, 2001. And by November, November we have been talking about Kabul a lot the capital city of Afghanistan that city fell by November to the Taliban also on October 7th bin laden released a video where he says what America is tasting now is only a copy of what we have tasted. Our Islamic nation has been tasting the same for more than 80 years of humiliation and disgrace. Its sons killed and their blood spilled. Its sanctities
0: desecrated. Listen... <laughs> It, this is a real fine. That was a long pause. Well, because it, it's difficult because this is a it's a, it's a fine like walk to walk, totally, right? Because it's totally. just like I I don't condone violence, but like I guess the point I'm trying to make in this first half, Maddie and I have decided we're going to split this episode up into two episodes because we are coming up on an hour. Because right yo, now, we can go real long, and we have a lot more to discuss. But I do think that it is important. And it's why I wanted to make sure that we got a lot of the backstory of pre nine eleven. Yeah, that it is important to understand that your colonialism uh-huh. and your capitalism have consequences. Uh huh. Right, like there are consequences, and absolutely those consequences should never be three thousand human lives. Like yeah. that is devastating and heartbreaking. And I think I've made that very clear that that's how I feel about that. Right. However, when countries who have been exploited, residents of countries who have been exploited for a really long time say... Hey, like you've been exploiting us for a really long time, and this is what it feels like. Yeah, that's also true. Yep. I don't think that there's a not saying like, it's right, it's a, not an eye for an eye is not right. None actions, of it is right. The actions aren't right. Yeah, the feelings are true. Yes, though, like the, those feelings of like, and that is
1: setting us up for why we are in the problem, we're, we're in the trouble that we're in now. The reason right. why the people of Afghanistan fucking hate us and why they have every right to, in a lot of ways, the civilians and people, you know what I mean? Like there is so much that we have done to them, just like there is so much that they have done to us. Right, yeah, I mean,
0: I think trying to have the moral high ground because of one situation, which is a devastating, 9-11 was a horrifying moment it, you know, that has, uh, of course, all these re- like repercussions and reverberations.
1: And when you have emotions tied to that. Right,
0: of course. But to say that, like, we are morally superior because you did this thing to us exactly, isn't, isn't fair.
1: Well, and to say that you're
0: morally superior and then going and
1: killing a bunch of people is an oxymoron. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Right, I mean, I know? just
0: think that it's important. It doesn't make the acts right. Of course, I'm not like... <laughs> siding with osama bin laden no 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 but I, I, i'm just but saying it 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 is so vital that we have
1: context well you have to understand both sides of a story in order to see a full picture yeah i mean and terrorism I is that, terrorism but yes right if we're talking about the actual acts of the day of 9 11 there isn't a lot of i mean it's very black and white what's yeah it's good and bad if we're talking about the history of the tensions between the Middle East and the United States, and those different sides of it, when we're talking about civilians and government, and all these things—that's when we have to see both sides of the story and understand why. How do we get to this point? I think, that and I'm that's not what's saying important. that there's fault in any of it, but I think it's important to see. Other people's perspectives, even if it's twisted and wrong, and it's something that we're never going to understand, it's morphed into something twisted and wrong, right? right? And like, you, and you have to and you have to learn to understand that in order to learn anything from any sort of circumstances that right. we've been in, and yeah. that's what we're trying to do. We're yeah. trying to understand why this happened. Why did those attacks happen? Right. Why did this war happen? Why did it take twenty years for us to be living? In this war. And I think that's why we have to change the to time. End. And to what end? I yeah. think that
0: that's when we get through That's to why the we have to listen
1: to other perspectives, even yeah. if it's not necessarily what we believe. We have to try to understand their side of things in
0: order to get through it. I don't think our listeners know that you are listening to a Pisces and a Cancer trying to. <laughs> Try and work our way to water signs. Try to work our way <laughs> to like people who lead
1: with our emotions and our feelings and our hearts and our hearts. Right. Trying to understand something that is so Logical. But I think but honestly, that's our superpower. Like that's what I believe is my superpower is my empathy. Right. Because, because I want can, to understand, even if that yes. person is so fucked up and I don't want to agree with what they're saying, there and that's why I'm such a psychology nerd and a true crime nerd. Because I'm like, I want to understand those
0: who are different than me. You, you can know? understand how a person got to a point. Yes. It doesn't excuse their behavior. And it
1: doesn't condone what their right. choices were at
0: all. At but there all. is
1: something I think that there is so much to be learned from different perspectives, especially when it comes to the war on terror, because America has always been so, you know, had their blinders
0: up. We've tried to be morally superior through this whole thing. And, and I'm patriotic trying-
1: and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: And I feel like it's very apparent or I hope it's very apparent that I am trying to balance this episode with my personal feelings of like grief and sadness and all the feelings that we felt about that situation with also not trying to say that, the United States is morally superior right. in, in our response to a lot of what followed. And you I know?
1: think that's the popular notion of today of explaining why, yes, we had all this grief and sadness from this horrific event that happened in the United States. And all of us can feel that and have that be valid and also realize that there are things happening that we have done to other countries that are just as bad and that make those people feel the same way.
0: Right, I mean, and in our- It's just not being, it's not taking a side. It's just seeing the full picture. And in our part two, we will also discuss, you know, how our grief- And our sadness and our anger was immediately exploited. Like it was, and that should piss you off. Like that this thing that we had a legitimate reason to be like heartbroken about and afraid of was exploited by our government Right away, yeah. Like right, like day of. There were people in the Bush administration who were like, "How can we spin this to get more oil?" You know, like. Well, I was always told too by my dad that the first Bush always
1: wanted a war, and now the second Bush was able to give his daddy everything he ever wanted, and that notoriety and all this kind of stuff. Where it's like it's not that you know it was like this perfect storm occurred while w was president that made him take advantage for his own political gain and i don't you know i don't have a lot of info on that in my notes or anything like that but that was my percep, my perspective of it when i was younger was that this guy was blood bloodthirsty and blood hungry and wanted this war and then something happened that would warrant that kind of response and he took it and ran with
0: it. You know, I don't know if I feel that way about George W. Bush, but I certainly feel that way about Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld and yes. like the people who were around well, yes. him in the administration. A hundred percent. Now like that, that I,
1: now that yeah. I'm older and I understand a bit of, you know, that George W. Bush is kind of a dunce, yeah. you know, which I knew back Easily then too, manipulated. but yeah, yeah, you know, it's, uh, he's not that fucking smart, but I also know that he is surrounded by people that were, very, very smart. And he was also very, very, very heavily influenced by his father. Yeah. Who was a big war guy, you know? So there's also those like personal and political motives that were going on in our president's mind that led him to manipulate a lot of us. Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't think we've ever stopped in the middle of an episode and decided to split it into two. Um, But (laughs) as, as you can see, there's it's so there's so much here. Yeah. There's so much here. And even the notes that I have, which we haven't even gotten into like half of them, are not everything. Oh, we're still like within
1: the week of 9-11 right now. Right. We've got a lot
0: to go. There's Because there is so much and it is so complicated like maybe not complicated but it's just like there are so many levels it's dense to All it. Of
1: it is very very dense and right. I knew that when taking my notes sound like this is going to go so many different ways but I'm I'm really glad that we're going to make this a two-parter because I think that it would be doing a disservice to rush yeah what we're yeah.
0: talking about so the second half we'll be talking more about like the war on terror itself being in it and also a lot of the criticisms that came of it also spinning off into the war in Iraq, which was like a whole beast in itself. Yep. So we'll discuss those things in part two, but there is
1: a lot still to come. And I think that definitely discussing about also how, Our lives drastically changed and how a lot of our, you know, homeland security became a thing, all of this stuff TSA became a Mm -hmm. thing. You know, there are so many things that we still have to cover. So hopefully all of you enjoyed this episode enough to tune in next week for our part two where we will be discussing more about the war on terror in specifics. But like Keegan said earlier in the episode, we really I would love to hear people's where was I when 9-11 happened? Stories. Yeah.
0: What what were my feelings about yeah. it? What are my feelings now? Because it does change. Yeah. Like you know. Where so you were searching for your mom's keys, you said? Yeah. So And why weren't you at school? I had pink eye. Oh my yeah. gosh. I had pink eye. I was in sixth grade. I had Pink Eye. I the night before there was like an event in the park. I don't uh-huh. I think it was it was something where they were it was some kind of community event. Right. And so we were there and then the next morning we lived not far from the park. It was a small town in yeah. Missouri. And so we lived like just down the road. And my mom was like, Oh, I forgot my keys. You're not going to school because you're sick. Do you want to come with me to help me look for the keys? So I was like, Yes. We went, we were looking for them in the grass. We found them. We were going... We went back in the car. We turned on the car. And they were talking about it. Like, it was because every... It didn't matter what station you were listening to. Everywhere. Every every radio station. Every TV station. Everywhere, yeah. Yeah, they changed whatever they were playing to talk about what was going on. And so my mom... Like, I I didn't understand it. I was like, I don't know what the World Trade Centers are. Yeah. Like, I didn't understand it. But my mom, I could tell, like, something was wrong. So she drove, like, she sped back, which, again, was, like, half a mile down the road. Like, not far. We got inside. My aunt already had the TV on. So mom is there. She's got her hands over her face. Yeah. They're freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when we see the second plane hit the second tower. Wow. And it was like I didn't know I didn't understand the significance, but I knew no. that because
1: of their reactions.
0: And yes. yeah. Like and it was on every station and like so I you didn't knew think whatever I went,
1: it was, it was
0: big. See, I don't think I went to work the next day either. You didn't I, go to work, work
1: the next day? Work. School. I I was in prayer circle. Uh, We started every morning with a circle. We turned the lights down and we lit like flameless candles. And it was like a very like peaceful way to start the morning. And so, you know, it's dark and we're all, you know, in Mrs. Johnson's fourth grade class praying and our principal, Mrs. Schmidt, comes to the door and pulls Mrs. Johnson out and talks to her and she comes in. And I don't remember what she said, but I remember the way that I perceived it was that it was a plane crash and that a lot of people died. And in my head, but like, I again, on the adults' faces, I could see that something was seriously wrong. But in my head, I'm like, yes, this is very sad. And a lot of people died in this plane crash. But
0: what's what's more? Why is everybody freaking out so Right. Much? I mean, I kind of felt the same way because we had just come off of Aaliyah. Right. Yes. Like, and that, that had happened when I was in school as well. And they actually pl- showed it on like the in-school News, Did right? They? That we that we had every oh, morning. Oh, I was too
1: young for that. Yeah. and they, they
0: were telling us about like Aaliyah's plane crashing and all of them dying, and so, yeah. Like, It was kind of coming off of that. And that was the level of tragedy I was used to. I wasn't used to it on this scale. So to
1: me, I was like, yes, this is very sad. There was a plane crash and whatever. But my mom was already working as a lunch lady at my school at that point. And I remember talking to her because I would always like go into the actual kitchen and like hang out and whatever with my mom and her kind of explaining it to me a bit more. But it wasn't until... I got home, and I just remember, like, putting my chin on my mom's shoulder, and we had this, like, tiny, like, four-inch TV. Like, it was the tiniest TV ever, and watching the footage over and over again, just kind of looking over her shoulder while she's doing her, like, beadwork and stuff. And having that be the moment where it sunk into me that this wasn't a plane crash. Like, this was... Bigger Scary and bigger yeah. and real yeah. and and that was and that's the image in my head of just like I can feel my chin on her shoulder and watching those things and just being like every moment of safe like every bit right. of safety that I felt just kind of fell away and from it, me. It was
0: the nation's reaction to it as well, where yeah. like you're watching by the evening, you know, you're watching. New Yorkers gather and they're singing songs together and lighting candles, and yeah. you're, you're watching the the missing posters go up all across New York City, and you're watching it's starting to sink in The that this is give an address, and yeah. you're like, oh, something enormous and like life altering has happened. Yeah, today. I mean,
1: luckily, I w- I was not. I think I probably went and turned on cartoons at some point during the night. You know, I was nine, so I wasn't like let me watch all this news. Same, know everything I mean, that's going slept, on. We
0: slept in the living room, but at some point, us kids were kind of like, okay, like yeah. You know, yeah. I
1: definitely went on with my day and my life, but just I mean, that was all we talked about yeah. for a very long time, and especially having uh, a dad that was so political and outspoken, liberally. I became very aware very very fast of what all of that meant but the night of it was a lot of just those that imagery yeah. and a lot a lot of fear so yeah. I would love to hear the stories of what all of your experiences were I know we have a lot of very young listeners but
0: for those of you who are alive during this if you'd well, like to <laughs> let me know what it's like hearing it secondhand because I have no idea oh like, for real what is it like hearing these stories through other people if what you is it like around thinking
1: you know? that the TSA wasn't a thing I at one point that right. you
0: could walk someone all the way up to the gate Back in my day, you could walk somebody right up to the gate and give them a hug before they got and on the wave plane. away as they fly off
1: into their destination. Yeah, fucking wild shit. So, if there's any, if you have any thoughts and feelings, let's just say that any thoughts and feelings, send it to us. We'll read them on a news episode. We're going to talk about it. This is something that obviously is very near and dear to both of our hearts and we care a lot about. So, again, thank you so much for listening to part one I think this is the first time we're splitting this shit into a two-parter so we're hitting a new era here um, yeah so I'm gonna do my regular spiel now how do I start it if they're oh if you do want to send us in your thoughts and feelings go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist we have a Facebook group and business page you can go to the business page and rate and review us and then go to the group page and chat with your fellow listeners who are all so wonderful and we would also really really greatly appreciate if you haven't done so already please leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts it is the best way for you to show us your love and support and we really do appreciate it so much all right that's all we have today with all that being said we
0: encourage you to to raise on bye
2: There's something weird going on with influencers right now. I'm a little freaked out. They just get everything they want. Everything's a little too perfect. Their smiles are a little too straight. They're using filters I can't find anywhere. I know what I'm about to say might sound a little unhinged, but I think it might be witchcraft. At least, that's what Jenna Clayton thought right before she went missing. We're excited to introduce a new show from Realm, If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It, starring Oscar-nominated actress Gabourey Sidibe. When a Black writer goes missing, a white podcast host with a savior complex takes up the cause of finding her and collides with a coven of influencers she suspects are responsible. This show is a little bit of The Craft meets Mean Girls meets Get Out. Learn more about If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It at realm.fm. And be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.